This episode of Your Catholic Life is brought to you by Iowa Catholic Radio, connecting listeners with Christ. IowaCatholicRadio.com. That's IowaCatholicRadio.com. Welcome in, everyone, to Your Catholic Life, a podcast for Catholics by Catholics, helping you grow in your faith. I'm John Leonetti, your host. Drama. You know what I'm talking about. That couple. The couple we all know. Filled with drama. And you want to say something. You want to help, but you don't know what to say. Maybe it's even you. Maybe it's you that's dealing with all this drama right now in your relationship. How do you stop? How can we help others as well? To help us with that, my guest today is popular speaker and author of the book Emotional Virtue, A Guide to Drama-Free Relationships. Sarah Swafford, thanks for being on the show. Hey, John. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I appreciate it. But I'm confused, sir, because every relationship seems perfect to me. At least that's what it says on my news feed. <laughs> yeah, right? it is. It's just so easy. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, just scrolling through my news feed, all these I do's, everything. It's just life is perfect. No, I think you, you put down the curtain, right? It's uh, it's a little bit difficult. Every one of us uh, have a little bit of drama in our lives. But I, I wanted to bring you on because I want to bulletproof some, some relationships here. Maybe some people that aren't in a relationship yet to be able to drama-proof. Uh, this stuff uh, for them. Um, take me back to when you, you first kind of came up with this this term, emotional virtue. What does it mean? Yeah. Oh, I know. That's It's so great. I love, I always feel like it's like a four-hour answer, but um, <laughs> I, I really, it came about a couple years ago. Um, I actually, a little podcast secret. So I, I actually went to Benedictine College. Um, that's where I graduated from. And my senior seminar for theology I was a theology major and a marketing major, and I remember my senior seminar, I was very excited about it with Dr. Ted Shree was our teacher, and we were doing Love and Responsibility and Theology of the Body by John Paul II, and we actually didn't even get to Theology of the Body. We spent the entire semester on Love and Responsibility, and um, the little unknown secret to some people is that that actually, that class, um, we went through Love and Responsibility, you know, obviously by by John Paul II, St. John Paul II, and I think none of us knew exactly what we were getting ourselves into, and it took the entire semester, and that class actually became the kind of the manuscript of Men, Women, and the Mystery of Love by Dr. Shree. Yeah, so because, I mean, what we, you know, it's kind of an unknown book, you know, love and responsibility is, well, it was kind of, now definitely a lot of people know about it. Theology of the Body is obviously the bigger, more people know about that in his Wednesday audiences, but Love and Responsibility was the, one of the most eye-opening books I've ever read, and I couldn't have read it without Dr. Shree because um, we used to joke we would, you know, read our assignment and we would underline things and highlight things and be totally blown away by certain parts of it. And then we would get to class, and he would spend an entire day on, like, the page that none of us even understood or, like, had anything <laughs> underlined. You know, we would just make fun of ourselves. Like, we obviously, this is so over our head. So, um, but it was really wonderful in my life because, I started, it started connecting a lot of dots for me personally. And, um, and one of the things that I learned when I was in the dorms, so my husband and I uh, got married and then went on, my husband is a theology professor at Benedictine now, and I had a job as a dorm director. So I, I, we actually lived in the dorms. I have four children, but at the time we had two under two and I took care of 142 freshman college women. Uh, we lived in the dorms for three years. And it was the same year that Facebook and Twitter came out, and it was right when texting was really starting uh, to be the mode of communication. And 
all of a sudden, just so many worlds started colliding. And, and my formation, you know, with having John Paul II in the back of my mind when I was going through college and then seeing how social media and, and texting really seemed to be changing the way that the men and women were interacting and dating, whether it's, um, I always put relationships because I, I know a lot of people think it's dating and, you know, marriage, like, sure. you know, the romantic relationships. But to be honest, it was really changing females' relationships with females and men, their relationship with other men. And mm. so I always say relationships. Jason and I actually, um, Jason Everett and I really talked a lot about the cover of the book because, you know, obviously when you think about emotional virtue or even you think like four women and you think dating. So we were, he was thinking we needed a couple on the cover. And I, I just kept going back and saying, no, I think we need a group of men and women, like friendship, like we need a group of people on the cover. And we went back and forth. And in the end, we ended up doing a group of people because my book is actually more of a relationship, any relationship kind of book. Sure. And that's because drama exists in every you know facet of our lives, yes. you know, and I was so bullied. I was bullied so bad in junior high. I actually had to switch schools. And so I, I have so much, you know, um, like, you know, experiential knowledge in my heart. But then you take the church and you take the richness and the beauty of just all of the gifts we've been given in the church. And it's all just, it's just unbelievable. But then the real trick is trying to figure out how to explain that. Yeah, I want to, to talk about that. our friends and our family. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the Swafford, hard part. Sarah Swafford's my guest right now. So, you know, a lot of times we know what not to do. We don't know what to do. And the church really gives us that, I don't want to say just a, a blueprint, right? I mean, there's always struggles and difficulties and some things that may work, some things that don't. Uh, when it comes to, you know, uh, th- good things to, to live by. But uh, when it comes to what the church brings us, uh, what, mm. what is it that inspires you about that? Yeah. Well, it's funny. Um, like, I, again, when I first started, kind of my ministry was really in the dorms there at Benedictine. And a lot of times, um, you know, you would try to talk about, like, again, our church will call it chastity or our church will call it, you know, like these beautiful words that are just saturated with truth. And I mean, it's just unbelievable. But when you talk, when you're talking to, you know, a junior high student or a high school student or a college student, that's maybe like still trying to get their feet wet. What the heck is going on? I don't understand. What exactly is the church trying to say? You know, a lot of times that's kind of where the word virtue came up. Cause my joke is always that you know, you have like modesty and chastity and virtue and all these amazing words, and they're all kind of locked in a vault with Jane Austen, and I just want to free them. You know, it's like we got to free some of these words, but part of that is trying to figure out how to explain it in a 21st century setting. You know, so for me, a lot of times, you know, people, it's funny, you'll go into like big Catholic high schools or go into even big public schools, and they hear that like, quote, the chastity speaker is coming, you know, and they're all just like, someone shoot me, like get a gun, you know, like this is going to be the, you know, the longest hour of my life. And then when I get up there and I start talking about, you know, social media and I talk about like what competition and comparing and perfectionism and I just am very vulnerable and real. And, you know, I know what I was struggling with back in the day. And my, you know, my joke is always, you know, I got through high school call. I, I didn't get my phone until I was, you know, a senior in college. And so I always joke, I'm 33, not 83, you know, like they all look at me like, Oh my gosh, how old is she really? She looks good for 85. You know what I mean? Like, um, but you know, so I got through it barely, um, I'm the Oregon Trail generation, right? Like I barely got through it, but I said I don't need a, I didn't need a phone to be a hot mess, like to not, to not understand what it's like to feel. Am I am I enough? Like do I do I compare to these this group of girlfriends that I have? Am I enough? Am I being noticed? Am How do you I, break free you know, of that though? Right? There's a lot to live yeah, up to, a yeah. lot of expectations. But what do you say to the the guy or gal that's listening right now that that wants to break free of all that? 
Right. Well, I mean, emotional virtue, 100% of what I have learned in my ministry for myself and for people that I'm hanging out with and just, you know, quote, doing life with is 100% of this game is your awareness to what it does to you, your awareness to what is going on around you. Because, you know, having a phone is a part of life. Like we all have phones. They're not going away. Social media is not going away. It's probably only going to get more complex. And so we start looking at, okay, like it's here. We see it. We know it. We can either just blindly walk into it and know that, oh, it's just going to roll my life and whatever, or we can take a step back and say, okay, I'm going to create, I'm going to, you know, look at this awareness in my life of what is this actually doing to me? You know, Hmm. like I admit to the, I admit to the students and I've talked to so many parents and so many young adults who say, man, I didn't realize how much my value was built up in like what people think of me online and like social media, you know, I mean, I have a lot of teenagers that come to me and say, my day is either made or broken by how many likes my picture gets or how many followers I got that day or how many, you know, you hear that from teens. But then when I hear that from 45 and 50 year old people, and when I meet people on airplanes and it's really funny when I'm on a plane, usually the person always says like, well, so what do you do for a living? You know? And, and so, you know, obviously I carry around my book in my, in my luggage and things like that. But I talked to so many just, you know, just the other day I talked to a guy who he was 50 and he had teenage girls and, and he just went through a really horrible divorce. And it was because his wife was just completely addicted to her phone, to social media. She was the one that wasn't paying attention at the dinner table. She was the one that was, you know, hooking up with old boyfriends from high school and things like that. And, and, you know, you look at that and you go, okay, I thought I was just doing a ministry for high school and college students, but like, we're all kind of in this right now and we're all in the thick of it. And emotional virtue is really just taking a step back and saying, okay, how does this all affect me? How do my relationships, you know, I know I'm not supposed to use people physically. I get that. You know, a lot of, you know, I get chastity on the, you know, I know what to say no to. What am I saying yes to? And that's where virtue really steps in. But it's not just virtue. Again, like, yeah, serve people. You know, you see all those physical virtues. Like, I want to put myself, you know, put others first. I want to do all these things. I want to serve people. It's like, yes, like, this is amazing. But then there's this whole other realm before all of that, that this game that's played in your head and in your heart. And that's where your emotions and passions, you know, I'm a big, big Dave Ramsey fan. And he always says, if you don't control your money, your money controls you. Sure. And it's like, if you don't control and harness and train and form your emotions and passions, they will control you. Yeah. And that's something that I was a victim of. And still, I mean, we all still, I stand before you as someone who still struggles. Like, I mean, on stage, I'll say like, listen, people, like I still struggle with anxiety. I still struggle with oh man, I hope that they think that, that I'm enough. You know, you still look back and you're like, I hope my husband, you know, like you know factually in your heart a lot of things and you believe them, but the devil knows how to prey on your insecurities and the phones and the relationships and the drama and our, our culture just breeds and feeds on drama. Do you recommend maybe cost, a phone fast or, or something yeah, like that? to, to maybe no, get, get, or do, do you recommend I that? I totally do. Yeah, in my, in, my, um, in my book, I actually have a couple things that, um, are practical, you know, because a lot of people will leave a talk, you know, I know myself, I'll leave a talk sometimes and go, that was amazing. I really don't know how to apply that to my life right now, though. <laughs> so my book, I, you know what I mean? I, you walk yeah, in and you're like, yeah. hmm. so in my book, I actually made it a point to make sure that I had some of the things that, that I had suggested to people in the past, like maybe this would help. I put a lot of those things in my book. So what the virtue challenges, yeah, it's like the virtue challenges in my book. Um, and so I basically broke down a bunch of virtues, you know, like, again, you know, be prudent, be temperate, be, you know, have courage. It's like, okay, but like, what does that look like with right. my phone? What does that look like in my life? So I broke down all these virtues and the virtue challenge is where you, you know, once a week you pick one off of the list or any virtue, whatever you want to work on. 
And you, at the end, you know, during that first week, you write down three ways that you practically want to live it out, which is great. But then on the other side of the paper, you write down three ways, like three obstacles that you know are going to stand in your way. Hmm. So if it's physical purity, you can probably guess pretty quick what those three are. If it's finding your worth in social media, you know, like what are the three things that really trip you up? Maybe it's a certain person on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram that makes you feel worthless. Like I had a girl come up to me one time. She heard my talk for the second time, and she goes, I just need you to know that after your first talk, I went in and I deleted all of the Kardashians and a couple other celebrities. I just deleted them off my Instagram because every time I passed their pictures, I felt ugly and I felt sad. And I deleted them from my entire – I just deleted them, and I felt a freedom that I didn't know – that was possible. Isn't that amazing. And you know, it's just like little things like that. You know, and, and in my book, I also have. So sorry, the virtue, the virtue challenge. You go through the week, and every night you do an examination of conscience, and you just ask yourself, like, how did it go today? Be real with yourself. Like, where did you do well? Where did you not? It's not like a oh man, you know, I'm terrible. I should just quit this game. It's like no, like be real with yourself, and and, and ask the Holy Spirit to really enlighten and illuminate those parts of your lives that trip you up, because you can go blindly through this, or you can hit it head on. And deal with it. Some great and, you know, I, my ministry, yeah, just going through your life. And, and I say, then at the end of the week, you know, I love accountability. So if you have an accountability partner to share it with, bonus points, that's amazing. But at the end of the week, you evaluate it. You either pick a new virtue or you just, I mean, some people have told me they just have done the same virtue for like three months. Yeah. But that's how you kick, that's how you build good habits. And, you know, you know, you're aware of what messes with you. And that's what, you know, chick flicks, like I always tell people, you know, uh, like chick flicks are great, you know, like romance novels, you know, hey, we got all the music, we have all these things, we have epic war battles, you know, you, you look at our media and it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, it's there. But you have to know your heart and you have to know what messes with you. So I always say Taylor Swift, you know, like, yay, go Taylor Swift. Thank you for being you. We love you. We pray for you. But I always say Taylor Swift on repeat could damage your soul. Mm. You know, like, okay, you hear a Taylor Swift song, you're like, oh, that was fine. Okay, fine. But like, I know a lot of women that have her on repeat in, in their iPod over and over and over again. And that's forming your, your heart and mind towards a desire. And so you start looking at that. And when a lot of women and men come to me and they say like, I had no idea how addicted I was to my phone. I had no idea how addicted I was to like just noise. You know, like I, I love Dr. Shree actually had us do um, in spiritual theology when I was in college. We had to do a media fast for six weeks during Lent. We wow. weren't allowed to do any media. And it changed my life because I realized I wasn't comfortable with silence. Like I always had the car radio on or I always had, you know, I looked back and it was like I wasn't comfortable with my own thoughts because I didn't want to come face to face with things that were uncomfortable. Make for an awkward and, you know, radio show, media fast for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, except that. for, yeah, good radio, Catholic <laughs> radio shows are always okay. Um, but you know what I mean? I, know like, what you mean, I yeah. really learned a lot about myself. And so the other one I have is the cell phone challenge has been very, very fruitful for a lot of, of high school and college people. Um, basically, I, I tell them to, they look at their phone and they star people in their, in their phone, different contacts. They star people that they know that they text or call to only get emotional gratification from. Mm. So a lot of people will tell me, you know, there's this guy that I'm not even interested in, but he gives me so much attention. It makes me feel so good about myself that, like, when I feel down, I just text him, and I just want to, like, he'll just, every night before I go to bed, he's like, hey, beautiful, how was your day? And I'm like, are you dating him? She's like, oh, no, I would never date him. I'm like, okay. So what exactly is, you know, where, where do you think this is going? Like, well, nowhere. He just, he's like a good fix for my heart. I'm like, okay. So again, like I start learning, I just saw so much. And a lot of guys will tell me, you know, like, 
I would never approach a woman face to face. I would, you know, I would just, we would have to at least text for at least, you know, a month before I would feel comfortable wow. going, like going on a date with her. So, you know, you just start learning these little things and you just say, okay, so the cell phone challenge is really for them to see when my self, it's, you know, when my cell phone dings, you know, when my, there, there's actually a lot of good science on this. You know, I guess um, there's a lot of endorphins and different chemical things that happen to us when our cell phone dings with a text. And it's even heightened. I guess they do all this cool studies, but it's heightened when it's from the opposite sex. And it's heightened again if you're somewhat remote, like remotely romantically or emotionally involved with them. Wow. So, so people will tell me, you know, when I'm doing counseling with, you know, ministry with people and just counseling them through situations, you know, they'll tell me like the worst part about breaking up with someone is that your cell phone doesn't go off anymore. Like I was getting texts every 15 minutes and now it like, it doesn't, my phone doesn't go off anymore. And like, there's this gaping hole in my life and my worth. And, you know, so you just look at the power of phones and the pow- the emotional power of texting and social media. And that cell phone challenge is really, really healthy because what, what a lot of men have told me and women have told me is they go, they're like, I can tell you right now the six people that I go to for emotional and sexual gratification. I can tell you them right now. So I'm like, okay, so why don't you star them in your phone? And every time you go to call them or text them or return a text, you look at that star and you ask yourself, do I want to do this? Like, am I using this person either physically or emotionally? Like, do I want to use them? Is this, is this good for them? Is this good for me? And all of a sudden it becomes this awareness of like, what? Like, I don't want to do that to her. I don't want to do that to him. And then over the course of a couple months, all of a sudden what they tell me is like, you know what? I just deleted her from my phone. Yeah. And it was so freeing. So again, like those relationships can go on for six months to a year. You know, I call it the gray area. We're just talking, we're just texting, we're just hanging out. You know, in my book, I go through like, minimizing the gray area, minimizing drama, knowing instead of feeding it, knowing what I can do to take a step back and say, gosh, like I want to see my guy friends as brothers in Christ and not as people who can fill a void in my life. Sure. Because, you know, and, and that was one thing that, you know, you probably figured out, you know, it took me, you know, a while and a few relationships to understand that like, I can't make a guy my savior. Like I can't make my, I really did make boyfriends into gods and idols when I was in high school. They were, they were everything to me. All my worth was wrapped up in that. And I just look back on those days and it's like, man, not only can you not make someone else your savior, but you are going to destroy them with the pressure there. You are always going to end up disappointed because we're human beings. You can't make a human being your God and to go to someone expecting them to be your everything and your God is not only going to destroy your relationship, but it's going to destroy them because that pressure is just not, it's not possible. And I I wrote about that in my book because that's one thing that I see all the time is our worth is so wrapped up in what others think of us. And this, you know, obviously for all of us, it's, it's a challenge, but when you can start seeing your worth and your dignity through the eyes of our Lord and you start seeing your relationships based on how can I help this person know their dignity and worth and love them and help them and put them first and not use them either emotionally or physically, it just completely changes the game and it changes relationships and you don't look for drama anymore. You really look you look to avoid it. How can people get your book? That's a beautiful thing. Oh, well, it's at emotionalvirtue.com is my website, okay. um, and it's really beautiful. Um, I work very closely with the Chastity Project, which yes. is um, Jason and Chris Salina Everett right. and Chris Stefanik Stephana, and Matt Frad. We kind of just wanted – Chastity is a big thing, and it, it's really one of the things that I think keeps a lot of people away from our Lord and the church and, and is, is this whole idea of just what do we do with, with relationships. And, um, and so it's really been beautiful. It, we actually were able to find some donors, and so you can buy a box 
of 36 of the books in paperback, and they're only $3 a copy. So it's been really beautiful because you can, you know, you can um, order them for almost your entire youth group if you wanted. And there's actually discussion questions in the back. I my husband's a, a professor, and he's like, you're going to make everyone's lives, their people are going to love you if you do the discussion questions for them, you know. So I get a lot of thank you notes from theology teachers and from focus missionaries who say, thank you for doing the discuss- discussion questions in the back, because then we knew kind of what you wanted us to, you know, right. pull out of these chapters. Right. So it's been really beautiful. I have people all over the world doing the book study, which has been really beautiful, and it's just amazing what God takes with just your little like man I Jason I never intended to write a book I'm a homeschooling mom of four kids and this was never never in the in the cards and Jason just said he's like you got to write this down because you can't be everywhere but people need to have you in their back pocket yeah. and so that was something that really motivated me was just knowing that this is something that not I mean, men women everyone struggles with it and and also a lot of times a lot of parents come up to me and say man, whether it was your talk or your book, you just articulated everything that my team's going through, but we didn't have the words to articulate it to each other. Yeah, I, I always so say really let, let people like you do the work for them. Uh, and, <laughs> oh, gosh, and, I don't know about that. Well, you do a great yeah, job I with try, it, and, and I've read your book. I love it. I really do. I recommend it to as many people as possible. And, friends, make sure you can go to EmotionalVirtue.com. Uh, make sure to check out uh, uh, getting Sarah to your event or your parish. She does a great job. I've heard her speak at Benedictine uh, when I was there speaking for a retreat, and um, she does a, a great job, captivates the audience. So school, event, or parish, bring Sarah Swafford in, emotionalvirtue.com. Sarah, thanks so much for being my guest today. Oh, John, thanks for having me. And God again, bless. on your four-hour podcast, we'll get it all, all of it. In. Yes, the four-hour version. We will make <laughs> yeah, sure. Exactly. You will be Thank my so guest for me. the four-hour version. You're my first and <laughs> oh, only my guest. And I'm just going to say. You might be the only audience, I know. that's all right. I'm just going to say, Sarah, go. That's all yeah, I'm going to exactly. say. I'm going to start there. I told you, it's hard, man. I wish there, it's just so complicated, but it's it's a fight worth having. No, it's I love it. It's a fight it. worth going. So. I love it. Thanks for having me, John, God and all your you. good work. I'll Thanks, be praying Sarah. for you. That's Sarah Bye-bye. Swafford, everyone. Friends, make sure to share this and other episodes of Your Catholic Life on your Facebook and Twitter, inviting your friends to take part in the show. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm John Linetti, signing off here on Your Catholic Life. Remember, the only way to happiness is by holiness. Be confident in Christ's mercy and his love today.